Hey, good morning, everyone. Nice day today, isn't it? It's supposed to snow on Tuesday and Wednesday. I just thought I'd break that to you. Just, it's, listen, we've been spoiled, okay? Let's admit it. March was really nice. We had early 70-degree weather, and it's still April, and it's still New York, and it may snow in July. So just, just get over it. Th- this morning, I have to admit, I'm a little... I'm a little disappointed today. I do, can I just be honest with you all this morning? I'm a little disappointed. Everybody just say awe. Aw. Okay, thank you. We have tried so hard in our household to get bluebirds to nest in a house that two lovely people made for us in our church. So we've been trying for like three or four years. Finally, finally, this year, I saw bluebirds. Bluebirds making their way into the home for last week. I said, Kathleen, this is the year. <laughs> The bluebirds have come. So I woke up this morning. The bluebirds were there. They're going in and out. I'm not kidding you. All of a sudden, a sparrow came and kicked him out. So I got out my BB gun. And I took... No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. So I'm just a little disappointed. So I'm a little disappointed. I'm just disappointed. I just, I just you know... And, and the bluebirds are actually fighting the sparrow at one point. I'm like, this is getting good. It was, you know, this is getting good. I thought, they're going to fight for this. And then... They gave up and they had sparrows in their nose. Anyways, I'll, I'll move on and I'll eventually get over it. I'm glad that the sparrow has, has a house. So I'm glad for the sparrow, okay. Um, we have begun a new series last week uh, looking at the topic of understanding um, the real Jesus. And I, and I know in our, our culture today, in the context of our culture today, it's so easy to redefine Jesus into the person that we want. Or, or maybe make Jesus more palatable for us in our lives. And there's this difficult thing that can happen in our lives when our life circumstances maybe don't match up with what we believe Jesus is supposed to do for us. And what I want us to do is I want us to understand and have a correct expectation of who Jesus is. And that no matter what circumstances we may face, how I many you know there, there are choices we make that we can make dumb choices, and we all make dumb choices, right? And we can say, thank God for God's forgiveness through Christ, and we can find his grace and his mercy. But there are just some things that happen in our lives that are just beyond our control. And how do we take the messiness of life and when life just doesn't make sense and try to have the correct expectations of Jesus and what he desires from us? And how he wants us, even in those situations of uncertainty, how he wants us to dig in even deeper to know him, that he's still there, that we can still find joy and we can still find happiness when maybe our circumstances don't dictate that. You know, it's like, you know, I I see hashtag blessed being thrown around all the time, right? I'm hashtag blessed. And and listen, we may say hashtag blessed because of good things that are happening. I got a raise and my health is good. And all those things are fine. And we should rejoice in God over that. But are we still hashtag blessed when things aren't going well? Can we still worship Christ in those moments when things just don't make sense? And there's a passage that we're looking at, and we looked at it last week, about a certain situation in someone's life where their situation just didn't make sense. And they're wondering, Jesus, are you still here? They began to doubt and wonder, was Jesus going to come through? Was Jesus going to to help them? And so I want to look at this bothersome passage. And in this passage, we see... John the Baptist, and he's disappointed with Jesus. So what's going on with John the Baptist here? Well, what we know, just to give some background, John the Baptist is in jail, and he's waiting his execution. He's all alone, he's suffering, he's wondering, 
you know, how can I believe when this is happening to me? And so John is put in prison because of Herod Antipas, who was the leader at that time, the ruler at that time. And he was married to Herodias, which used to be his brother's wife. They got divorced, and then, and then Antipas divorced his wife and married Herodias, which actually was his niece. This is just, it's just, it's just a soap opera. It's just a mess. So what happens is, is John speaks to the corruption. Well, Herodias doesn't like this, and she wants John dead, and she basically gets her wishes. So the background of the story is, is John's in prison, he's in jail, and he's, he's waiting. And so what John does is he gets his disciples together and goes, I want you to pass this message on to Jesus. And it's, it's captured for us in Matthew chapter 11. And let's see what the scriptures say. It says, Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent words by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And here's the kicker. Look at verse 6 here. It says, And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Blessed is the one, or happy is the one, that is not offended, or doesn't literally fall away, who's not scandalized, the word, we get the English word scandal there, is not scandalized by me, who doesn't fall away. Now, this is a difficult passage, um, because we know that John supported Jesus, we know that John the Baptist baptized Jesus, he prepared the way for Jesus, he pointed others to Jesus, he even said to his disciples, when the disciples said, hey, his disciples are baptizing more than them, what are we to do about this? And he says, listen, my ministry is done. John the Baptist understood what his purpose is. He says, listen, I must decrease and Jesus must increase. I've done what I was supposed to. I was supposed to prepare the way of the Messiah, and I've done that, and we need to allow God to do what he needs to do. He believed in his Messiahship, but now in jail, he has some doubts. He's, he's disappointed. In fact, the ESV study notes on this verse are very helpful for us. They say of John that he is probably concerned because his present imprisonment does not match his understanding of the coming one's arrival. Which means this, his present circumstances and his imprisonment don't match what he maybe thought the Messiah was to do. My circumstances, and we can look at the circumstances in our lives, and many times they, they don't match what we thought Jesus would do for us. And so there, there may come times in our life where we get confused because we go, man, Lord, I'm going through this difficult time, and I thought this. Are you going to deliver me? Are you going to answer this prayer? Are you, are you going to do this, this thing for me? And for John, he thought, well, isn't God's judgment going to come to those who do wrong? You know, bring it, Jesus. Make them pay. You know, why isn't your Messiahship showing up here? And then Jesus says back to his disciples, John's disciples, here is the purpose of the Messiah. It's to heal the broken. It's to bring the message of the gospel. And that was his purpose. Now, John may have had a different expectation. So if you've ever been disappointed with God or, or things didn't work out the way you thought, maybe you thought you were going to, you know, maybe you thought God was going to do this and then it, it didn't happen and then the rug was pulled out from underneath you. And maybe you were offended with God. Maybe, maybe you were mad at God or maybe 
you were just plain disappointed, like, God, why didn't this work out? And so Jesus' words in this passage deal directly with our disappointment. When things don't work out, Jesus' words to John is not that he wasn't empathetic or he wasn't caring, it wasn't compassionate. Jesus gives John, I believe, some of the most comforting words on how to deal with life situations when they don't seem to make sense. And believe, believe me, listen, all of us will go through that. There will be something in your life that will rock you. And if somebody ever tells you that the Christian life is easy, they're nuts. You're hearing wrong teaching. Because Jesus even said, listen, I want to give you my peace, but in this world, you will have what? Tribulation. You guys know it. You'll have tribulation. You're going you're gonna to have heartache, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So Jesus never painted for us a rosy picture that our lives will always be perfect and everything will work out the way we want to. And I think sometimes we have this misunderstanding or this unmet expectation that when I become a follower of Jesus, then things are going to go well in my life. In fact, for some of you, you may say just the opposite. You say, Pastor, I've become a follower of Jesus, and it's gotten worse. Think, what's going on? Am I doing something wrong? Am I not praying enough, right? Do I need to do something more? And it may not be that at all. It's God allows us to go through these situations and these seasons for a reason, but I want you to know this morning that God is still good irregardless of what you may be going through or what you may be faced with. And this is what he's trying to share with John the Baptist. Jesus' words in this passage deal directly, deal directly with disappointment and unmet expectation. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, what Jesus are we truly seeking? Or is my expectation of God correct? Do I have a correct understanding of God? Are my expectations correct? You see, it is, it, it's, the, it's the Jesus that maybe we think will do everything for us. And if Jesus doesn't meet my expectations, then I'll walk away. And recently, over the last like half year, I've listened to a lot of podcasts and done a lot of reading on those who have deconverted from Christianity. Because it's really interesting. I'm like, why would someone who followed Jesus understands the Lord, why would, they, why would they walk away from God? Why would they walk away from their faith? Many who were maybe raised in faith or, or came to a, a saving knowledge of Christ and then, and then deconvert and, and walk away. And what I've, I, what I've found in many of these deconversion situations, there's a, there's a common thread in all of these. There is something in their lives that happened that they couldn't explain, something that rocked their faith. And then when they went to go look for answers, it was difficult because there wasn't someone there that helped them through their suffering. Either they couldn't find the answers or, or no one directed them to, you know, just correct theology or someone who has studied these things, someone that could help them. And they looked into the world to try to find these things. And then there was more doubt that was placed in them. Well, what about this scripture? What? And then they just had more doubt. And, and, it, and it was just slowly but surely they began to move away from their faith. But one thing that I've seen in all these deconversion um, situations, because, because it concerns me as a pastor, obviously, this really concerns me why people would walk away. And I believe that there's a common thread, and the common thread was their expectation of God and their expectation of Jesus was not correct. They had this certain expectation, and then when something didn't go right in their, their life, they'd think, well, Jesus, this must not be real then. When if we would study scripture and really understand who Jesus is, we have answers and we can figure this out, that there actually is a theology of suffering 
that God does allow us to go through things and he actually uses those things to draw us closer to him. And that's the conversation between John the Baptist and Jesus. Jesus is telling him, blessed and happy are those who are not offended, who don't walk away from you when everything doesn't seem to work out in your life. You see, you know, 31 years of full-time ministry, you, you deal a lot with couples and, and marriages and you, you help people, you try to help people, you try to pray with people through their marriage struggles. And uh, much of the struggles in marriages, I can boil it all down. And I'm, listen, I'm not a therapist by any means of the imagination, but just talking to people and praying with people and helping them biblically to understand what marriage is and the biblical foundation of marriage and what it is. Usually what it boils down to is just unmet expectations. That, that is the common theme is unmet expectations. Think of your last disagreement with your spouse. Hopefully it wasn't on the way to church this morning, okay? Um, Some of you are sinking down in your seat. How did you know, Pastor? I know everything. No. Um, think about it. Just think about your last struggle, your last disagreement. What was, what was the root cause of that disagreement? I guarantee it was some expectation. You thought one way, your spouse thought another way, and you were not on the same page. Can I get an Amen spouses and married couples can I get a man right see most of the time we're trying to get our point across and the other person is not listening because they're too busy thinking of what they're going to say next so we never come to grips we never come to an understanding of what's your heart saying what are you feeling what why are you what what, what was the disagreement here what what's at the heart of it right and how many know when you put emotions into it then it gets heated and then we're way off base of what we were even talking about it it happens to, to all of us You see, we assume a lot. I assume you would be more like this. I assumed you would listen more. I assumed that that you weren't, you know, that you turned into this person that I that is not anything like I dated, right? I just there's all these things that can happen that we make these assumptions because they're unmet expectations until we talk them out. In most marriage difficulties, and we have this gap, right, in our relationships, we all bring stuff into our relationships, don't we? We all got stuff, don't we? We got messy stuff. We do, and we bring it in, and we just think marriage is going to fix it all, right? And guess what? It doesn't. It doesn't. Marriage is not this magical cure when you say, I do, and all of a sudden, poof, all our unmet, all our unmet expectations just poof, they go away. That's why it takes work. That's why you're supposed to do oil changes on your car, okay? <laughs> you have to have pre-maintenance, maintenance constantly on your car so they keep running. Marriage takes maintenance. A lot of maintenance. Amen? It's okay to say amen there. Okay, it's okay. And see, this is what, so what we do is we bring all our unmet expectations into this gap and we don't talk about it. We just assume. And so, so much of it is about assumptions. You're not hearing what the other person's feeling or knowing or, or trying to understand each other or trying to communicate to each other what we're going through. You see, here's, here's the issue with Jesus. And many people struggled with Jesus when he walked on the face of the earth. Many thought that Jesus would rescue them from Roman oppression. And when he didn't, many walked away. In fact, if you look at the Gospels, much of the latter gospel is a later part of Jesus' life. He did less and less miracles and did more and more teaching. And if you notice, his teaching got very difficult. It got hard. And many people, when they heard this hard teaching of Jesus, of what it truly means to be a disciple and a follower, many walked away. See, they liked it when he was doing all the miracles. 
and he was feeding them. Well, who wouldn't like that? We're following this guy, and he's feeding us and doing miracles. And all of a sudden, when Jesus' teaching got hard, and he wanted them to press in to know who he really is, their expectations was a Messiah that was going to rescue them from oppression or a Messiah who was going to do everything for them, feed them, and bring miracles. You see, this is what Jesus means when he says, Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. And so how, are, how can we be happy in Christ? How can we be blessed in Christ? How can we know that in Christ we can find peace, we can find comfort, and we can find care when life doesn't seem to go the way we want it to go? Jesus says, blessed are those who don't stumble because of me. Blessed are those who don't stumble when there's doubt. And it's okay to struggle through the doubts in our life as long as we're seeking Christ through it and we get a correct understanding. See, as your pastor, I want you to know the true Jesus. I don't, I don't want to give you a false sense of hope just to say, well, everything's going to be fine. It's all going to work out. Everything's going to be perfect. And then when things don't work out the way we want it to do, then it can easily shipwreck our faith. But if we have a true understanding of who Jesus is and what his purpose is, it will help us to be blessed and happy and joyful even when things don't seem to work out the way we want them to. See, basically what Jesus is saying, are blessed are those who get it. Blessed are those who understand that life is hard, but that God is still good. And this is what he's trying to say to John the Baptist. We need to understand that, that God doesn't owe us anything, yet he gives us his undeserving grace. We need to have a correct attitude when it comes to our relationship with Christ. So let me ask you a couple questions here. How do we not stumble in our walk with Christ? Even when we go through difficult things in our life, how do we not stumble? How do we walk through those difficult things knowing that God is still there for us and he's still good? And the second question is, how are we blessed in our walk with Christ? I mean truly blessed. Not that everything's going perfect in your life, but you are truly blessed in your walk with the Lord. It's all about having a correct attitude towards Christ and having correct expectations of what the purpose of Christ is in our life. So let's look at what it truly means to be blessed. What is, a, what is truly a blessed, happy person in Christ? A blessed, happy person are those who don't feel entitled. They don't feel entitled. So listen, we... In America, we constantly fight against that entitlement spirit. Like, I'm owed this because I've done this, or I paid for this, or I put my time in. So I'm owed this. I'm entitled to this. And what, what happens if we're not careful, that type of attitude can easily slip into our relationship with Christ or within the church. You know, I've been, I've been going to the church a long time. I've been going to the church for 50 years, right? So I'm entitled to sit where in this seat. And if somebody takes my seat, there's going to be problems, right? Where, where we say as membership, and people take that step of membership. Remember American Express, membership has its privileges, right? Not here. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying, not here. Okay. And, and in fact, when we become members, we say we actually lose our privileges. We actually, we understand that it's about other people. We, we, when new people come in, we want them to feel honored that we're glad they came. And if, if you took my seat, then I'm not going to wrestle you to the ground to get my seat back, right? Or whatever it may be. I'm just, I know those are silly things. But we care more about other people than just ourselves. You see, 
the longer I follow Christ, the more I realize I lose, I lose that entitlement. See, the longer I serve Christ, the more I realize he's given me everything and I don't, I don't deserve a thing. If you can get that attitude in your, in your mind, it will help you to live a blessed life, a truly blessed life. It's all about our attitude towards Christ. Blessed are those who have actually laid down their rights at the foot of the cross. Blessed are those who have actually laid their rights down at the foot of the cross. So not only is it we don't feel entitled, but it's also blessed are those who have laid their rights down at the foot of the cross. So, so I love this passage. Paul defines it so well for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he says, God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. So what, what is Paul saying here? He's saying, listen, you were bought with a price. You're not your own. You were helpless without God. Sin enslaved us, and there was no way we could free ourselves from the enslavement of sin. But Jesus comes as the Son of God, as God himself, to give his life as a ransom for you and I and purchased us back through his death on the cross so that we could now have a right relationship with God the Father. When I understand that I was bought with a price, I lay my rights down. I, I literally give them up to say, I want to follow you, Jesus. I lay my rights down. Blessed are those who walk in humility. This is one of my, this is actually one of my life verse. I love this passage in Ephesians 4, 2, where it says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient. Bearing means to put up with, bear under. So what Paul is saying is we bear with one another in all our idiosyncrasies, and we all got our issues, right? We all have our preferences. We all like things done a certain way, right? We all got our hang-ups. We all got our control issues, right? We all, we all have them. And what Paul is saying here is one that's humble in spirit is recognizing what Jesus did for us, that he gave up everything for us. And the way that it's seen, my expectation of Christ and him living in me, the way it's seen is how we love each other and how we bear with one another, even in those things we may not agree with. Boy, do we need to learn that today, people. We need it today. We need humility today. We need to stop talking over each other. We need to stop yelling at each other. And I'm talking to the church here, okay? I'm talking to you. I'm talking to the church. We need to learn to love each other with Christ's love. All right, that's enough. All right, that's enough there. I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm going to get in trouble if I keep going. Lily and I were watching a documentary on the college admissions scandal. I don't know if you ever, those of you heard, it was huge, huge in the news where uh, wealthy people, celebrities, and so on and so forth were in an illegal, illegal way trying to get their children into elite colleges. Now, there, there's certain ways you can get your kids into college. There's there's the front door where it's through your achievements and your academics. You, you get, get into a college. It's very difficult with a lot of these elite colleges. There's a back door where you can give millions of dollars of donations to the school and you get your kid in. It's a great way, but you're not guaranteed. But what this, scholar, what this college uh, admission scandal uh, uncovered was the side door. That there's this one gentleman who says, listen, I can guarantee that I can get your child into these elite colleges through this side door. And that side door involved illegal activity. 
It, it involved bribing people that were in these colleges and these places of admissions to get these students guaranteed to get into these elite colleges. What was interesting about the, the documentary is many of the children, the students, had no idea what their parents were doing. It became more about the parents vicariously living through their kids because they didn't go to these elite college, that they were vicariously living through their kids because they were able to get them into these colleges through their wealth. And what was interesting, there was a, a former admissions officer of, of one of the very elite colleges, and he says this. He said it was more about status. It was more about bragging rights. It's not that, that out of the thousands of colleges that we have in our nation, either, you're going to get a good education, right? But it was, about, it was about the prestige of going to these particular elite colleges. And what this gentleman said, it was not about the education, but about the prestige. And actually, the word prestige comes from a French word, the original French word, and, and I didn't know what this meant at the time, but the word prestige actually means deceit. Prestige actually means deceit. And how many of us, by our own pride, if we're not walking in humility, can easily be deceived by lies that we tell ourselves? And that's why it's so vital that we walk in humility because we can all deceive ourselves in one way or another and pride can well up. And so these people, and, and what was interesting about this documentary that Lou and I are watching, what was interesting is many of these students had good enough grades to get in. They were, many of them were good students. But this one guy that was getting all this money from them would tell them, no, 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 they don't, it's not enough. And so they believed him, so he would get the money. Deceit, 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 pride, pride, just to have status and to have bragging rights. See, in the kingdom of God, when we walk in humility, no one has bragging rights at the foot of the cross. No one does. The foot of the cross is level. We all come there as sinners in need of a Savior. And that should humble every single one of us. And this gives us a correct attitude and understanding of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Which leads to the next thing. Not only are we blessed when we walk in humility, but, but blessed are those who have a servant's heart. I love what Jesus says here in Matthew 23. He says, the greatest among you must be what? A servant. The greatest among you. Just the opposite of things that we would hear in the world. He says, the greatest among you must serve. It's not looking out for my own interest. It's looking out for others. It's how, what am I doing to build up the kingdom of God? Not getting bragging rights, not saying, you know, look at what I do, but what can I do to help someone else succeed in their walk with the Lord to ultimately build up the kingdom of God? First Peter says this, it says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts so that you can brag about it to other people, right? No, what does it say? So that, so that use them well to do what? To serve others. The gifts and talents, which I love, I love looking out in the family of God and seeing how God has blessed his church with different gifts and talents. And God has gifted each and every one of us with certain spiritual gifts to do what? To lift up myself? No, to build up the body of Christ so that Jesus is glorified. So when I understand my expectation and my role as a servant of Jesus Christ, I know that I have to walk in humility. I understand that I, what am I doing to serve each other and to better the kingdom of God. You see, when we feel disappointed or life is unfair, we need to remember and go back 
and understand what God did for us. This is living a gospel-centered life, not a me-centered life of what God can always do for me. A gospel-centered life always goes back to the cross and understands the great sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for you and I, that Jesus gave up everything to reach us, that he sacrificed everything for us. Jesus didn't give up everything to be an add-on in our life or to make our lives perfect. Jesus gave his life for you and I so that we would lay our life down at his feet and become his servant. Those are the ones that are blessed. See, our expectation of life needs to change. And we're not promised an easy life. We're not promised everything's going to work out. But the promises of God are true that he'll never leave us or forsake us, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which we have in Christ Jesus. See, our hope isn't this world. God will eventually make all things right. Our hope is heaven, that we will be with Jesus one day and we will live with him through eternity. But Jesus correctly interpreted this world for us that in this world there's going to be heartache, there's going to be trial. And he even said that to his own apostles, to, to, to the apostles and to his disciples. But he says, I'm not going to leave you. I will be with you to the very end of time. That is our hope in the midst of difficult circumstances, that Jesus will be true to his word and that he uses the circumstances and the struggles in our lives for his purpose and his glory to give us a deeper relationship with him that we would never otherwise have. There was a story of this man named Mauricio that is just embedded in my brain. Mauricio was a young dad who was from Central America. And Mauricio was a co-worker that we worked with on a job building a church in Central America. And this, this, this guy, Mauricio, he was like six foot tall, but weighed like 130 pounds. He was just wiry, but all muscle. I mean, he could lift blocks like it was nobody's business. And I go, Mauricio, you're going to kill yourself. What are you doing? How can you lift all those blocks? He goes, the Lord is my strength. And... That week was the most miserable missions trip I've ever been on because we went in November during the rainy season and it rained the whole week. So we still had to build the walls up on the side of the church through block work. So we had to wheelbarrow concrete and through at least a foot of mud every day. I just like somebody throw a block on me and just knock me out so I can be knocked out the rest of the trip. It was miserable. And um, and so, but this, 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 this young father, Mauricio, every day he'd come in singing and worshiping while he was working. So I just hung out with Mauricio. I go, man, it just, you could just see his heart for the Lord and his love for Jesus. And it rained every day, working in a foot of mud. It was miserable. But I never noticed him complaining. He was always singing to the Lord, and he always had a great attitude. What I found out about Mauricio is he was a day laborer and he made $16 a day. What impressed me the most was a service at a service that we had that night. One of the nights we had a service in our old church. Our old church was just a lot of, it was just metal and there was a lot of leaks. And of course, it was raining that night pouring. What I noticed about their church was this, was not only their joy and they just had fun. They had a mariachi band that came one night. I mean, that was a hoot. It was just so much fun. I mean, they loved the Lord, but they could have fun. And I remember it was raining, and the, the rain was coming in through the roof, and it was just, you know, just raining all in the church because it was just pouring out. And I noticed 
that the women in their church all gave our ladies umbrellas so they wouldn't get wet. Now, they got wet. And also, the women of the church did pedicures for all our ladies that week. I said, what about me? I want, you know, I've been working hard. I've been working the water. What about my pedicure? You know? And um, I noticed how they served. But what I noticed, too, is I saw Mauricio over with his three young children, and he was just worshiping the Lord. See, here's the difference. Mauricio could have easily been offended, but he chose not to. And what Mauricio could have done is that he could have easily complained or that life wasn't fair. He could have easily been offended. But what he chose to do instead, instead of being offended, instead of complaining, he chose to worship. People, listen. That's the key. I've got a choice now in Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean that what I'm going through isn't difficult or not hard. But as a follower of Christ, in the midst of my trial and disappointment or when life doesn't make sense, I now have the choice to worship. The reason why Mauricio had a joy when his circumstances would dictate otherwise is because he was a worshiper of Christ, irregardless of what his circumstances dictated in his life. I said, I want to be like Mauricio. I want that joy, God. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell us. Listen, he's not trying to say that, listen, there are things that are just going to happen in our lives that are beyond our control. But Jesus is trying to tell us that nothing can take away your worship of me and your relationship with me. You see, Mauricio had a correct understanding of what Jesus did for him, which caused him to serve Christ with joy even when his circumstances would say otherwise. Listen, if you want to have a testimony to this world of what Jesus has done for you, become a worshiper of him. People will look at your life and say, how can you have joy when you're going through well, How can you still have hope when you're going through this? Because it's not me, it's Christ. He's the one that gives me this joy. He's the one that gives me this hope. See, there's the difference. And that's why Mauricio could be the way he was because his worship was centered on Christ, not on his circumstances. They did not drive his worship. Now, I don't know where you are today. I don't know, maybe there's some disappointment. Maybe you're going through a real difficult time. Maybe there's some things in your past that you're like, I'm still struggling with this, Pastor. I'm still struggling with this. My encouragement with you here today is to be a worshiper. Listen, when we get to heaven, guess what we're going to be doing? Worshiping. I'm not going to be a pastor in heaven. Don't say amen. Please don't say amen. You hurt my feelings, okay? We're going, to be, we're going to worship our king forever. And so when you're going through a difficult time in your life and it doesn't make sense, I will tell you to worship. Um, this song we're going to sing in closing, I'm, we're just going to sing it because it's so personal to me. Last year was a rough year. Last year was hard for our church. It was hard with COVID. It was just, it was just a difficult, difficult year. And um, I was listening to my playlist on my phone and this song came on. It's called, it's called Do It Again. And this song came on my playlist. And I can remember being in the basement of our church just working out and, and listening to my playlist and this song came on. 
And that was a really bad day for me, a really low day. There's a lot of pressure, just a lot of things that I was bearing on myself. And I remember listening to the words of this song and just started to worship the Lord. Say, God, I, I am so stressed out right now. I'm burdened. I don't know how everything's going to play out. But I know you're good. And just let me worship you in this moment with all the stress, with all the burden, and just let me worship you. So this song became my go-to song. I think I've listened to this song 500 times. <laughs> so I love it, and I'm going to make you listen to it and, and worship to it today. And no matter what you're going through today, listen. Worship the Lord. Thank him for his goodness. And I guarantee you will be blessed. And you will be happy. And you will find a joy that you will never find in your circumstances. Listen, this is what I had. And I'm still learning this, all right? So many times we'll say, well, God, I'll worship you. I'll feel better when I get through this. God says, no, I want you to worship me in it. Because what's going to happen is you're going to get through that thing, and guess what? It's like whack-a-mole. Another thing's going to come up, right? I think we become the best worshipers of God in the midst of our deepest trials. So no matter what you're going through today, be a worshiper of God. That's what he's called us to be, to thank him, to serve him, to love him, we have so much to be thankful for. Jesus gave everything for you and I. And he wants to give you his joy and his peace today. And it's through worship that we do it. Laying down our rights, walking in humility, and becoming worshipers. Giving, all worship is is giving worth to something. We're giving worth to Jesus. He is the only one that's worthy of our worship. And then it's that peace and that joy that floods our heart when we worship Christ. So Father God, I just pray this morning as we just finish with this song that you would minister to our hearts. I pray for anyone that's just going through a difficult time today. Maybe it's been a difficult season, year. Lord, I pray that as we sing these words, you would reiterate to our hearts that you are a faithful God and you will do it again and again and again, and again, because you are faithful. And there's no problem or situation that you don't know about, that you will not help us through, because you are a faithful God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me?